0: The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on The Open Nesters podcast with Lori Handlers and Michael Gibson.
1: That men and women can actually start to in- go down this path of being, of being very connected in their lovemaking is that they take on the archetypes and the archetypes would be so lori i regard her as the goddess when we're making love she is the goddess to me and to to her i am the shaman i'm the one that's holding the space i'm the one that's creating the magic and doing the the the, and being present and holding safety for her and taking her along on this ride that her body wants me to take her on
2: What we love about our interviews on The Open nessers is they demonstrate how it's never too late to be developing extraordinary new ways, including love and sex and happiness, which Laurie Handler's led the way in that book years ago. And she and Michael are leading the way now.
3: And it's really never too late because, as you will learn from our summary of this episode, we have learned so much from this episode.
2: She's 21 years older than him, so there's hope for everyone out there. And let's hear it from Lori and Michael. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Lori Handlers and Michael Gibson of Extraordinary Love. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just chatting because Lori and Michael will tell you their personal story, as well as all the incredible work they're doing to help us at this stage of life that we call the Open Nest, an act three that we can embrace and actually, Michael was saying that he's the open nester as far as kids that Lori loves and Lori's kids love all of Lori's parts. I was like, that's you're so Michael's sweet. Kid. No, Michael's <laughs> kids love all of Lori's parts. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how that came together when you at first, Michael, became an open nester. And then we can transition a little bit to Lori and your work and all the great things you're doing.
1: Certainly. Um, my my son's name is Nicholas, and my daughter's name is Amanda. We call her Amy. And um, they are now 24 and 28. And so, they've been out of the nest for well over, oh gosh, eight, nine, ten, ten years now for Nick, and six years for Amy. Well, I guess, yeah, what changed with my kids, my kids became independent. And um, at that point, my son married off, actually, I think it was a pretty young age. And so he was just 21. But it it was a it was an interesting time because they were moving into their own, you know, being who they are. I'm fiercely independent. And they are too. I mean, they came away from uh, their, you know, teenage world, having to discover what it is to be an adult, and then doing that. I think they did it quite well. It was a strange time, number one, because it was like, I have to let them go. They've got to go and be on their own now. And they're going to have to make mistakes like I did. My hope was that I had taught them all the things that they needed to know to move into adulthood, into this part of their lives, hopefully successfully and hopefully, you know, with some confidence, knowing how to do the basics.
2: How about love? How did they view you're coming together and what did they learn in their lives do you feel like about love through your life
1: they had two i guess um examples of what my relationships <laughs> look like there was the failed relationship <laughs> with their mother
2: right or, or that you graduated from that yeah. marriage right we all you know that's what people
1: don't like it happens about. yeah it happens we grew apart and all the things and then and then um seeing what it is to be in relationship in a, in an A very extraordinary uh new and um and and beautiful and powerful relationship with a woman who is um who is independent who is sovereign who who didn't need anything from me and um i wasn't i didn't need anything from her so that we could actually relate to one another and it's very special and so they've seen the they've seen those two um you know sides of of the pendulum and um, and they're very happy for me now. They're in fact, they, we I say that they love all of Lori's parts because we don't like to say they love them. They love her to pieces, but we they, I love, don't like
2: they it. love all
1: of her parts. I they love, love that her. way. They love her completely. How about that?
4: They do. I have a great relationship with both of them and her. with the, uh, the wife of Nick, mm-hmm. and with his grandchildren. So I love them.
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. so the love the love is an expansive thing so Lori, let's talk about you for a moment because i know you came from happiness and sexuality from i read the first book uh when i was doing my masters in consciousness sex and happiness and we're going to talk a little bit about your next book as well but let's talk about how you guys met and uh you've been an inspiration doing seminars of about sexual consciousness and love for for years mm. and around happiness. I never heard the word extraordinary love in there. So that's new with Michael.
4: Yeah. So our age difference is 21 years. I'm 21 years senior to Michael. And um, I've been teaching in the world of sexuality for 25 years or more. And um, he comes from a church background and then was interested in sexuality. So he kind of renounced his uh, connection to the church mm-hmm. And started on his own Exploring sexuality And we met at a naked dance party In Phoenix <laughs> And Yahoo! Neither of us were naked But there was one couple that was naked There weren't too many naked people there Although it was optional yeah.
2: right. um,
4: and We spoke over the over the Place where the wine was You know, wherever the bar was in that house That's, we both connected on Oh, I like this kind of red wine. Oh, I like that. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? We had like a small talk and then we walked away from each other. We, there was no chemistry or attraction, like nothing. And then about five days later, we went to an event. We did, I didn't know he was going to be there, but I walked into an event and he was there And he came up to me and he said, didn't I just meet you at the party at that party a few nights ago? And I said, yeah. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Michael. Like that. Still nothing. And at that event, the people running that event asked for a volunteer to to be on the hot on a hot seat. And Michael went on the hot seat. He volunteered and they and they asked him, what do you want? Like if you could have anything, what do you want? And he
1: said, I said, I believe there's a goddess in every woman and that's who I want to meet.
4: And I had a visceral reaction to that. Like my body went like this and my, you know, my yoni went like this. And I I, I was like, we're on
2: audio. So like, this is kind of like, I would say it wasn't a contraction. It was more of like a, like a kind of like, what was it? Like, how would you describe it? it
4: my body reacted let's just say okay. it, it was big so he so i said to him have you told anyone this and he said no so i said okay so then the evening kept going and then at the end of the evening he was leaving and i went up to him and i said we should we were in a place that had a wine bar we were like in a room in a bookstore that had a wine bar and i said to him we should have a drink right now he said, "Why?" I said, "Because I am the goddess." Yeah, and and what you said made me a little wet. So he said, <laughs> "Okay, we should." You know, his eyes let's got go. <laughs> his eyes got really big, and he said, "Yeah, let's have a glass of wine." So we had I a-
2: love I love this. I have to take it just to that because it's such clear communication about our bodily feelings. And the and the idea that something touches us that we are embodied with and that we express it. And it's not what enough people are doing in the world. So just that is so gorgeous. And thank you. And so Welcome. I do I do want to say, Lori, that you you're rocking your seventy. I mean, like, oh, my God, you're rocking your 70s. Thank you. And I just think that 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 embodiment and your ability to access it and feel that goddess is a big part of that.
4: I always felt that there was more to sex than what people were doing, like penis, vagina, in and out. You know, like the frictional type of sex that people were having, at least when I was growing up. when I had sex when I was 18 for the first time. And I said, this can't be it. This cannot be all there is to this. I think there's more depth to this. There's more connection to this, but I can't find anybody that wants to even talk to me about it, let alone do it in a different way. So there's a sense that I had even younger than that, that my body was another brain, like a way to give me information and give me depth and connection to people different from my intellect, uh, distinct from my intellect. And at that time, you know, I was growing up in the 60s, no guy that I met in college wanted to talk to me to that depth they all thought I was a little crazy and they thought I was a little crazy in high school too. So it, I mean, to me, being a little crazy is a way to be. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So then when in the eighties, I read an article about Tantra and I said, this is what I, this is what I'm looking for. But I didn't, in the eighties, there was no internet. So I didn't know how to find teachers and and then in the 90s, I found a teacher. In, the, in 1996, I found a teacher. And the first day I was in a tantra class, I said, this is what I've been looking for. This is exactly what I've been looking for. This is for me. This quieted my New York state of mind. This made me feel uh, like I was feminine, like I, had, like I was in a female body and I could identify with the feminine. Before that, it was just like I had to compete in the world with men. I had to do, you know, I had to be as smart as them. I had to be as good as them in sports or whatever it was. And in Tantra, I got, oh, this is really who I am. And so that's been with me since 1996. I mean, really, that was the discovery. And I knew that was my path.
2: I just read uh, Daniel Odia's book. I know it's a old one, but the Tantra quest and, you know, Great the search for absolute love. It's such a. I mean, to start that idea that spirituality and sacred sexuality, and the quest for this goddess in the world is so different than the way we are programmed in our society and in the Western world for performances around sex, is such a shift. So thank totally. you. I mean, so you entered that, and then and then Michael, why don't you catch us up to where how you even got to this woman's level or get <laughs> close.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's i I'm still in training. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh,
2: exactly. She, she's the tie, right. She's your tantrika. <laughs> no,
1: you're pretty good. Come so, on. so, um, so I, I started out really because of my divorce in 2007. It, it placed. It put me in a place where I didn't know how I was going to, you know, find love again, and you know how was I going to be with another woman, and and I was crushed. And so um, I began looking everywhere, and and I did a number of really good programs uh, through Landmark and other places, and and um, I ran across uh, as I was trying to learn how to you know talk to women and and become better with them. I ran across a guy who was teaching this stuff called White Tiger Tantra, and I started studying that, and I fell in love with it. It was a it was a, a combination of of knowing how to touch a woman and also being present and. And um, feeling in my own self, my own body. And so those are the things that really um, interested me. And I started to take it to another level. And by the time that I had met Lori, I had been interested in this for probably about 10 years. Then Lori and I met, and I didn't know who she was actually when we met. I didn't even at the bookstore. I had no idea it was Lori Handler's, you know. And so, <laughs> so when we met, we were we kind of vetted each other and uh, asked, you know, what have you spent money on? What have you done in the past? And all those things.
4: How have you invested how, in yourself?
1: Right. How, what kind of programs have you done? And so we we really found that we were on the same level in a lot of those areas. And, uh, and then we decided to get together and she invited me to her Tantra course. And I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to go. So I went to her Bliss Tantra course and uh, oh my goodness, I was like, wow, this is big. You know, I was, I was like, this is way more than what I was getting in my other Tantra courses and my other studies. So it was really exciting. And, and then I got her book and read her book and I began living her book and that changed my entire life. And so yes. now I would have to say that I'm of the lineage of Ms. Lori Handler's.
2: <laughs> so, so tell us about what, what are the, some of the things that you first learned when you entered this with her?
1: Well, the first thing was that I could honor my anger. Men walk around with this bag of anger. Um, oftentimes, it's a necklace. It just It's hanging around our necks. And I always felt like that I couldn't express that. One of the things that I did learn was that I can express it and I can express it um, in healthy ways and that I can I can move that energy out of my body by doing simple things like emotional release. And then the other thing was um, that I could also enjoy my own pleasure. So one of the ten one of the first things that you learn is to be able to witness uh, witness your own experiences and actually step back a little bit and see what's happening for you inside your body, inside of your mental and emotional um, those areas of your of your mind and your life and your experience. And so those were the things that really mattered to me because I was having an experience, but it felt like I was in a in a video game. Kind of like this was none of this was you were real.
2: witnessing, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was like in the matrix a little bit. And then when I be, was able to step back and witness, I could see that, oh, wow, this is a whole new reality for me. Um, you know, the the greens were greener, the the, the sun was brighter, <laughs> all the things that you hear when you have this awakening, right? And so that's what I got really from Lori's teachings.
2: So two things that come up for me around that. So one is that this, that's kind of the sensation we have when we fall in love, which is this, you know, out of People have an out-of-body, but not a real connected um, s- spiritual spirit experience necessarily. It's a physical chemistry, like, like you're seeing the best in each other. It's producing all these beautiful pharmaceutical chemicals in your body. And mm-hmm. so I would love to know the similarity to that for both of your perspective. And then, Lori, as you as the teacher, how how do you slow somebody down? Like as the woman who has has, has to coach a man in that way, Mm. I'd be really curious now with your own personal experience, if I'm, if you're teaching somebody, and sometimes women are a little more evolved in this area, and it could be the opposite as well. If someone is feeling like sex is like, give me sex, like I want the sex I want, like how how can someone make that shift? So those two questions, one about love and the uh, the oxytocin and everything that's produced and versus what you just talked about, if you want to Talk about it first, Michael.
4: Michael says that he doesn't believe that there's such a thing as love. He wants a T-shirt that says "I oxytocin you."
2: I oxytocin you. <laughs> I love that. That that gives me a clear a clear what you think about it.
1: Well, love is He's into
2: science.
1: Love is kind of arbitrary, and and you know the Greeks, um, the Greek philosophers had mul- many many different words for the word love or for what we consider to be love. And the interesting thing about it is, is if you're experiencing love under any of those topics, you're going to find or any of those categories, you're going to find that you're experiencing oxytocin. And it's oxytocin that gives us that experience of love. So if you feel love in your body, or you feel love in your heart, that's usually where we f- we say we feel it. Um, I would, I would say I would assert that you have oxytocin running through your body. And there was, a, there was a reason for that. There was a catalyst that did that. And oftentimes it's something as simple as just a gentle touch on the hand or holding hands or holding one another or looking into each other's eyes. And if you do that, you've ever looked into the eyes of your, your pet, your dog, your cat, and just held their gaze for a little while. You are both, because you're, you're mammals, you're both experiencing this oxytocin release and it's love.
2: So that's <laughs> the love I, I do. And that's why you still call your seminars. We're going to talk about in a minute. Extraordinary love. But Lori, take us back to your, I mean, you're the original teacher, especially for sure. Michael, but for many people. Oh, you want to respond to the oxytocin thing?
4: Well, no, I just want to say I didn't need to teach Michael the thing about slowing down. So okay. I've interviewed many, many women in my classes. I've had like panels of women and I say, <laughs> men want to know what you want. I know you don't know what you want. Women don't seem to know what they want for the most part. I have a whole chapter on that about please yourself but, and find out what it is that you want. But the one thing women agree on across the board is they want men to slow down. So I teach men to slow down. However, I didn't have to teach Michael to slow down. Michael already had the gift and the skill of presence and, and going with whatever it is that my body told him.
2: So you followed the goddess. What he told you the first time was really true. I mean, you know, that's, That's we don't want it to be just language. There's so much language that we, that gets even like you, like Michael was saying, love. And, and, and so you're, when you're teaching women to please themselves and then helping a couple find that, ignite that passion and spark again, is it always based on the man needing to witness the goddess? I mean, is that, The typical path that you teach them, Laurie?
4: Well, we both do that. We teach them that together, combined in this extraordinary lover's experience that we have. Mm -hmm. We teach men to get present. And then once they're present, to watch the cues that happen on a woman's face or that happened on her body michael teaches men to literally read the body as if it's speaking to them like as if it's speaking in words and that's how they'll know what to do versus having a trick like what i say to men i say to men how many of you are one trick ponies like you found that a woman liked one thing that you did and so you try that on every single woman and the one wo- the women that you meet want to like kick you in the head because they don't want they don't want that same thing over and over and over and over again. They want you to actually be present to them. And, and
2: so we teach us And ask and ask, how does this go? An and, and women, then, have know, to women are always up. feeling like, I mean, I'm in with lovers. I'm often having to say, would you like me to guide you? And, I, there's that resistance thing of the ego the man that get in the way is so hard. Yes. So I mean, and the clit thing, like the clip thing that they think that's the trick. Like well, for me, that's me not my my this. clit is like so we our clips are so three to four to man, you know, eight thousand nerve endings. And the, so part of the point of my clit on the left side of my vulva is what really interests. so I'm like, I have to be able to show them, and some of them want to know and some of them don't. And it's amazing right. how that's <clears throat> why I was talking about slowing down. Like they, they're those one-trick wonders. And I want men to hear this in such a way that how you help women teach them to do that if they're willing.
4: If they're willing to listen. Here's the other thing, that it takes men like one minute to be aroused and to want direct contact on their lingam or their what or their penis. I don't know what how you want to call well, it on this We show. can say anything here. Oh, you can say anything. Good. And the other thing is... Um, it takes women almost 40 minutes 20 to 40 minutes to be that warmed up so that's i call that the cosmic joke when i explain that to men and women i say here's the here's another cosmic joke it takes men 1 minute to get warmed up and want direct stimulation it takes women 20 to 40 minutes to get warmed up and want direct stimulation so what are you going to do for that 20 40 what minutes?
2: are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> That's number
4: one. And two, we teach a skill called Latihan. It's a practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And Latihan, I'm known in the world for Latihan. I mean, I didn't make up Latihan, but I took it and ran with it.
1: You might want to spell it.
4: Yeah, Han is Latihan is L-A-T-I-H-A-N-Latihan. Okay, and tell us I, what I talk about is. it in my book. I have videos on it online. I you can go to my website, lauriehandlers.com. You can find moving in the unknown i teach people to move in the unknown which means they don't have one trick means they move in the unknown they don't they lose the idea that they have a trick and two so they could make love in the unknown so michael and i oftentimes put on blindfolds and we make love so we can't see what we're doing we don't we've never done the same thing ever I don't know how many years we've been together. We've—I've been lying about it. Five, five years. Five years. Five years. Seven years. Five years. I thought we were together seven. I—I really—I don't know. But anyway,
1: compression time.
4: We have never done the same thing twice when we got together to make love. We never do the same. We never. Did you do discuss
2: things. it up front? This is an interesting thing because there are couples out there no, coming together. No. First,
4: I can say this. She said I could say anything. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah. the first time we ever got together physically. We we did we did what we call a bubble. We made a bubble and we talked about desires, fears, and boundaries. And we both said what our desires were, our fears were, and our boundaries were. And then we slowly, I said to him, the "Only my desire is to is to learn you slowly, and that you learn me slowly." So I said it in the first minute before contact. Beautiful. And so he got it. He said he was like, "Oh, okay, she wants to go slow." So when we finally got to it and we actually like had intercourse. After that, I said to him, You fucked me like you meant it. Beautiful. And he said, he looks at me like I did. I did mean it. Yeah, of course I meant it. And I said, Oh, that's really different. But I had already given him the cue that I wanted this to go slow. I was not in any hurry. There was no finish line. You know, I really am a tantrika. There doesn't have to be a finish line. And he he took that cue. He already knew stuff. And he took that cue. And he just like, he was so, and it's never changed. It's not, I'm not going to never change means he's always present. He's always, he always means it. And it's. Um it makes me cry. I, it makes me weaken the knees. I sometimes I go to the void and I say to him, "How did it feel to be Captain Kirk steering the starship Enterprise oh, like I, was I love Face. And he goes it was awesome. So
2: So you, don't... you 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 the way you describe some of your things about seduction as a team sport and the teachings you're going to be doing and we'll talk about your Honduras extraordinary loving, kind of these exquisite touch and through embodiment of breath, sound, movement, Mm. things that people don't like, the nuance of listening that that is the is the key and that most people are not using in the way they develop their sexuality. And that's what's sacred about our love and our sexuality.
1: So Mm -hmm. so I'd
2: like you to say more about for couples, for example, that are together for a very long time and have become a little bored and and what can you do to help them I mean how do you stay present all the time when you have so many underlying bored dull pieces of life that don't awaken you do you are, is it very scheduled I mean what I don't know how the two of you you're older you don't have maybe kids or as many full-time jobs things that take people away and then they're stressed. so how do you what do you advise them as a couple how do you to do this kind you of go. seduction as a team sport?
1: Yeah, it's, well, seduction is a team sport. It's something that you have to do together. There's, it's not responsible. Not one person is responsible in the relationship to be the seducer, right? And so, the way that I think that that men and women can actually start to and go down this path of being of being very connected in their love making is that they take on the archetypes, and the archetypes would be so, Lori. I regard her as the goddess. When we're making love, she is the goddess to me. And to to her, I am the shaman. I'm the one that's holding the space. I'm the one that's creating the magic and and being present and holding safety for her and taking her along on this ride that her body wants me to take her on. And then there are the skills. Presence is a skill. It's something that has to be learned. If our minds are constantly monkey minding all over the place, if we're just that, you know, erratic thought patterns, um, then there is a practice that you need to put in place. The difference between uh, uh, someone who is a dabbler in Tantra and someone who is a shaman or like a practitioner is that practice. So there's uh, meditation and breathing that you're going to need to learn to do, and you need to do it on a daily basis, then there are presence exercises that you'll need to do. That these are practices in your life. This becomes a part of your life.
2: Can you give us an so, example of a presence exercise?
1: So there's something I teach called box breathing, and it's used by um, special forces people. But box breathing is simply a breath with four count in and then hold for four count and then let it out for four count and hold And then start the process over again
4: very simple it's a
1: very simple very simple breathing exercise but what it's causing us to do is to actually take our minds and focus in on something and so what i have well what i have coined the phrase for or created a formula for uh, presence is the formula goes like this presence equals um, attention plus focus Presence equals attention plus focus. When we bring our attention to something or someone, it starts to bring our mind into uh, the close proximity of that thing, that person or that thing that we're looking at. But when you bring focus into it, that's when presence begins to take on that, um, that, that otherworldly feeling, almost as if, wow, I've stepped out of time. And now I'm completely connected. And so imagine being able to do that in your lovemaking being able to do that in your business, being able to do that when you drive your car, or when you're spending time with your child.
2: These you are all these are all pieces of extraordinary love. I, I love that. Sweet. That's how you phrase your work. And the the I still will get back to the fact that you st- So it has to come from a desire to do it. So yes. a couple a couple can't say, but I. but this is the way I am. I mean, that's always the issue. No. And we and we need to want to stay young and invi- not young. I'm actually recorrecting this for myself as our as we become elders, we become vibrant and that all of that aliveness is not about having to be young. It comes from practice and intention and mm-hmm. I love the presencing. So but still with a couple that's that's I don't know, stressed or bored and don't have the folk they the how do you suggest that they start if they're like not feeling like they want to meditate and they but they love each other. I mean I just I just encounter this on a regular basis this yeah, idea that women too. are wanting to do it and how do you help they have to want to that's i guess that's the bottom line
4: <laughs> it's called desire so yeah. the point is how do i if i there's like what do i desire and am i willing to speak my truth and tell you my partner my desires the, there's another part too that we feel that couples that are together for a long time neutralize they 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 negate their uh, polarities. They've been together for so long that they, they have this, their pheromones have blended and their, um, yeah, their smell, all the things that made them attract in the first place, the opposite attract kind of a thing are like very neutral. Mm-hmm. When people become like best friends and roommates and they sleep in the same bed for years and years and years They neutralize all that stuff, those polarities that brought them together in the first place. So Michael and I teach them to start building polarities up again.
2: How does one start doing that?
1: Right away.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not
1: not kidding. Um, You know, when the kids, when you're an open nester, you now have a new uh, new open space, maybe another bedroom. Sleep in it. Take that bedroom and make it your own right? And then start to sleep separately. Not all the time. You don't have to do it all the time, but sleep separately so that your pheromones and your chemistry are now in that room and her chemistry is in her room. And you can actually beautify it the way you want to. I have a very masculine looking room. Lori has a very temple goddess looking room. It's beautiful with reds and, and flowing you know, tapestries and things. And so we have this separation of our chemistry. We also eat different foods, so we don't always eat the same thing, because if you're eating the same thing, again, you're going to have that same chemical base. So we have to separate that a little bit and allow ourselves to have different, um, a little bit of a different lifestyle, sleeping habits, all those things. And then when we do come together, our pheromones are heating us up.
4: There's still very good attraction Lots in the pheromones. Of that,
1: wow, that would be the first step in my opinion. Wow, I love yeah.
2: this. I so love even though this.
4: we eat, we might eat dinner together, we eat different foods for dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, and you do
2: it order. purposely if you want the same foods. What if you like the same? foods? No, we
1: we we purposely
4: eat different foods.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, from time to time, from time to time, we'll we'll make a nice meal. You know, Thanksgiving things like that. We'll make. Well, or we nice order
4: meal. out. We eat the same thing, but even mm-hmm. so, I mean, he likes things super spicy. I don't like things super spicy, and we might order different things from the same carryout. So, we do eat differently. We we on purpose eat different foods, mm-hmm. and we also spend um you know we don't spend every single night together sleeping in the same breathing.
2: Do you make a particular meal. date or appointment of when you're gonna have, have make a make date. love making time? Is that how yeah. it looks?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we make dates. <laughs> we schedule together. it. Yeah.
2: Okay, so that's what people resist. You know, it's not spontaneous anymore unless you're not living together and then you only get this certain amount of time. So there's this amazing chemistry when you come together. But once you're living together, there's not going to be that. So how do we work with it? And I love these all of these guidance. And that's what you're inviting people in. So let's go into that invitation of extraordinary love of what you're doing in Honduras. So tell us about that in March.
4: So March ninth to the 15th, we are taking people to Roatan, Honduras, to a beautiful, mm. elegant resort that has a private, two private beaches. So clothing is optional. So we're, we're back to where we started. Um, we're taking couples away to explore how to return to extraordinary love mm. or to create extraordinary love for the first time. So we, we've, We've experienced in our relationships that uh, people start to get resigned, then they get resentful, and then they get, uh, then they get revenge. People walk around with so much resentment; they roll their eyes at their partner. They 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 use uh, other cu- couples and other people as an excuse to get angry at each other in public. They do all kinds of things. We've been with couples that keep score on each other. So we dis- we ha- we've had couples who the wa- wife was going to kill the husband. We thought there was going to be a murder, and we saved them. And so what, we- what we're what we doing in Honduras is we're teaching polarity. We're teaching presence. We're teaching exquisite touch. We're teaching fearless communication, the kind of communication where you have to say the hard things that you've been storing up and you're so resentful already and we've seen it on both sides we've seen it in couples it doesn't matter which gender it is that somebody is up to here and the other person is rolling their eyes someone doesn't even listen anymore Mm -hmm. uh so we have our bottom line is we're teaching people how to return to love and over and over again like whoever returns to love first wins (laughs) <laughs> and then we're teaching them how to stay in the unknown, how to create dates, how to communicate the hard things and get them out of the way so that you actually have a better understanding. And um, and that seduction is a team sport and we teach people how to do that, like that it's not that it doesn't just fall on one person. I have to always seduce him. He has to always seduce me. No, it's to, I seduce him just as much as he just seduces me. And that's what keeps it fresh and alive. And we've worked with a lot of couples. Oh, yeah. And we've worked with a lot of singles too, people who don't want to make the same mistake they made last time.
2: Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell us where they can find more information about this retreat. It's, uh, yeah, it's Honduras.
1: You'll go to uh, just pull up a webpage and go right? to honduras.extraordinarylovers.com. Uh, Find out all the information, the dates, uh, March 15th, um, and everything about the retreat center, where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing. We only have a few rooms left. We do. We do, we do have a camping um, option available, which is much less expensive, and uh, you'll be right on the beach right next to us, and you still have access to all the amenities, but um, check us out on uh, Honduras.extraordinarylovers.com.
4: And we really want you there. If only one of you in a couple wants to do it, have the other one call us. Mm. You know, we will we're happy to get on a call, on a zoom, on whatever, and speak to the one that needs convincing.
2: I see. Okay, wonderful. Just having that openness. So that's why we call this the open nesters. As you as our listeners out there that I'm thanking again for listening in, are listening to where they can become more open in their lives. You have been mm-hmm. the most perfect example. So I thank you so much from really from the deepest place in my heart.
4: I have a new book coming out, Sex and Happiness Over 60. It only gets better. And then we have we're working on we're half through Sex and Happiness for Lovers, which is the, co- the combination of our work. So that should be out. That also should be out in 2022. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So stay with me for a minute. And thank you again, both of you.
3: Tessa, before we go into the summary of uh, this wonderful interview with Laurie and Michael, uh, tell us uh, what we're going to have next week.
2: Well, we were interviewed by Kitty Shambliss of Loving Without Boundaries over a year ago, and we decided to use an excerpt of that interview with us about our love and opening of our relationship. So I hope you will join us for that story.
3: Yeah, get to know Tessa and Amir a little bit better next week.
2: I love the idea of a bubble, even though we don't live in a bubble, that we create the bubbles in our lives that that work for us in relationships. And so they talked about that. And I think that that applies for everything in life as we become wiser, just to know how to talk about our desires, our fears, our boundaries. That's in the bubble.
3: Absolutely. You know, there's no matter how old you are, there's always room to learn something new. And, you know, for me, the breathing always have been challenging in a way. So, I have to think about that more to be a little bit more mindful about it. And the slowing down, that is so,
2: so valuable. You know, we can do a little, both of us, experience what are the areas we can grow in and have that discussion in a bubble because all of us want to always be growing that's the whole point of evolution and we learn the most from our own relationships and heal the most so that's why having extra attention to it and i love i love making it fun like whoever returns to love more wins (laughs) i love that yeah i love that
3: yeah i mean you know don't you agree also that present equal attention plus focus that is really mindfulness in a nutshell. Sure. It is really putting it all together.
2: And I, making love in the unknown. I mean, yeah. you know what? I want to try blindfolding for sure. We have known that for a very long time. And and I feel like the idea of something being mysterious is that's just a tiny way. I'm sure just a physical way. And they'll teach the unknown is also coming out of our own bodies of knowledge and getting beyond, right?
3: Yeah, and even if seduction is a, a team sport, as as uh, as Lori said and repeated, you know I don't agree with them exactly. That is, you know, but after dinner you go separate ways, and she goes sleep into your different rooms. I really oh,
2: not after dinner.
3: Uh,
0: well,
2: they eat, it was two different things. One was about having different dinners, and the other is about well, sometimes separate I base home home bases. It's just a different way to evolve. I, I think it's great to have separate times for you and I sometimes too. I'm we're the not one talking about separate times, I mean you know <laughs> going our own ways. <laughs> Yeah, you know, separate bed. Sometimes, like I don't know, I would create more, a little more space in our okay. extra room and stay there more than. If you I want me to try, to, I will a try. Bit it. More, I will try. So we will consider that.
3: Okay, <laughs> till then, we invite you to visit our <laughs> website, theopenester.com. That the nester. n in the middle, double n in the middle, and s at the end, and we invite you to leave us a comment. And tell us what you think. And also, that's why we have a Facebook page, don't we?
2: We have a Facebook page that where you can also, we'd love to, a dialogue in our closed private book group. Or just get online to, you know, the Open Nesters. You could follow us. And, and please do subscribe anywhere you see it. You could also share the episodes from Facebook now we're doing it. Because we've been getting out there a lot and just wanting to thank everyone. Yeah. We were rated yeah. the top 18th thank relationship you. podcast by Good Pods. So, and top 100, like, podcasts are growing by the hundreds of thousands and more, so we are so honored, so deeply honored.
3: Yeah, we are, and we... This is the time to thank all of you for making this podcast number 18, number one, and number two, for making it so relevant to so many people. The comments are pouring in about how valuable people find our podcast. So we thank you very much. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we'll see you on the radio.
2: Ciao.
0: And listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at
1: theopennesters.com.